This is your Thursday Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. Hope everybody's having a great day out there. Thank you for listening. We got a lot to talk about today, as we often do. I'm going to start with some wild stuff here in a minute. Thought some con- comments from owner Craig Leopold on Wednesday were interesting. I thought their exhibition game was interesting as well. Some baseball thoughts on the wild card on twins on um, multiple other things including the roster for the twins and um, you know we, Phil Miller did a good who's staying who's going chart I want to get to that as well Lavelle Enil the third will join me to talk some twins too we're revisiting some of the predictions we made at the start of the season you know it's never you know predictions are what they are and for the twins this season uh, obviously most of us thought they were going to be much better than they ended up being uh, but it's still kind of fun to go back and look at some of the individual performances that we predicted to see who did better. Spoiler alert, Lavelle did a little bit better than I did in some of his guesses, but uh, it was still kind of a fun look back in that uh, in that regard. And I got a couple questions from you guys, too. Um, I'm going to pick the ones that focused on music, not sports, because I thought those were the most fun. So we'll get to those in a little bit as well. But first, what did I miss? Like I said, I'm interested in the wild right now. I thought the Craig Leopold interview was probably the most interesting thing that I read in uh, in the Star Tribune. Sarah McClellan wrote it up. Um, he was available to the media on uh, on Wednesday during the during the Wild's uh, preseason game. I got, none of it was necessarily earth shattering, but it was just kind of a a nice kind of dose of truth serum in a few regards. the The biggest thing was. He readdressed the Ryan Suter, Zach Parisi buyouts and basically said he would have done it all over again. Here's the quote. It totally changed our franchise. We went from not selling any tickets and having a future that looked bleak to overnight being a sellout team for the next five, six years. Now, on the ice, did we get to the level that we want? No, we didn't. But as I've told all of our employees and anybody, anybody that will listen, would I do it over again? In an absolute second. They were huge for our franchise. They lifted us up. I would absolutely do it again, swinging for the fences, no problem. He also described how uh, how he kind of went back and forth quite a bit with Bill Guerin on whether they should buy him out this uh, this past off season. Guerin convinced him, and he's he's on board with that as well. So he's convinced it's gonna the salary cap's gonna go up next season. How much it goes up probably will determine how how much the Wild is able to do. You know, beyond just the Kirill Kaprizov contract, the Jewel Erickson Eck contract, they're going to have to pay Jordan Greenway, Kevin Fiala going forward. So we'll see who is able to stay as as those contracts weigh heavily on their cap. But if you're talking about risk reward, if you're talking about where they were and where they're going, I suppose you can make the case that that was a that 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 was the a signing that had to be done at the time, and that even if there's some pain right now, it was worth it. And I love to. One more thing from uh, from uh, Leopold's comments. He, he was talking about the uh, Kaprizov signing. Basically, the, this was probably the most honest assessment of, uh, of, of where things were at with the negotiations. And he said, I knew we were going to sign him. There was just no doubt. They were stringing it out as long as they could in hopes that Billy, that's Bill Guerin, would add something to it. And he never did. And he went down and they kind of had a kumbaya moment and they all hugged it out and flew it flew back on a private jet. That's basically... Sounds kind of like exactly what happened, right? Like, the Wild had an offer out there. Kaprizov, in the end, didn't really have that much leverage. He wasn't going to go play in Russia. And he was he wants to play hockey. He wants to make money. He's a young star. 
Maybe he wanted this, maybe he wanted that, maybe he wanted more money, a slightly shorter term. But at the end of the day, if the Wild was coming up with what it thought was a fair offer, he kind of had to take that or not. So all of us were worried. I think it was, you know, it, it lasted longer than we'd hoped it would. And, you know, in the end of the day, though, was Kaprizov really going to sit out the year? Probably not. So I like the way uh, Craig Leopold framed that and just kind of put it all out there for everybody to to read and see and now listen to. So that uh, that piece of it was interesting to me. The game itself was interesting, too. A lot of young, wild players played in that game. Looked like they were going to get routed. They were down 3 nothing. But Adam Beckman, overtime goal, assist, and a fight, what they call the Gordie Howe hat trick. Uh, they come back and win 4-3 again. It's just preseason against St. Louis, but uh, maybe making an impression. A lot of these young guys battling for roster spots. Good Sarah McClellan story on Marco Rossi as well. So that's all part of why I'm interested in this team. I want to see who the young guys are. There's going to be opportunities because, in part, of those buyouts for Parisi and Suter. We'll see if they were able to fill in ad- adequately for those departures. Since I was a kid, my grandpa, Jim Warner, taught us to treat our customers like family. And to thank you for 67 years, Warner Stellion is offering unbeatable appliance savings. Go to warnerstellion.com to get your $50 coupon you won't find anywhere else. Happy to be joined today by Lavelle Enil III, columnist for the Star Tribune, longtime Twins beat writer before that. Um, Lavelle, I w- on today's show, I want to review some of our predictions. We did a segment right before the twin season started, and I think you did better than I did um, in a lot of these twins categories. But before we get to that, uh, there was a little bit of twins news that we maybe didn't expect or didn't expect on Wednesday. Uh, they they got they fired their hitting coach. Yeah, it looks like Edgar Varela is going to be uh, reassigned somewhere else in the organization. And uh, the extra coach they called up, I think, when Mike Bell passed away and and um, Bill Evers took over as uh, bench coach, uh, I think his name is Scott Morgan or something like that. He's being reassigned as well. So, but the key thing here is they're looking for another another guy to, to connect with some of these guys to try to get the most out of their their at bats. Varela's been in the organization for several years. He's well liked. Um, you know, I haven't. I, I, because of the pandemic, you're not in the clubhouse. So you're not, you know, picking up on clues as to what would uh, precipitate a move like this, you know. Uh, but I just knew that how much they loved uh, James Rossman before he left to go to Florida and become their offensive coordinator. And it seemed like the message and his connection with the, with the players was pretty strong. He was really sharp, funny, a good psychologist, um, was able to connect with different guys. Don't know if uh, Varela didn't seem to have that, that same personality as Rouse. I don't know if that affected how he approached uh, his, his job or not, but I know he's liked, and they'll probably find something that he can thrive in elsewhere in the organization, but it'll be interesting to see if they will hire some from someone from within or look outside their uh, organization to find their next hidden coach. How underrated is the, the Rouse departure after 2019 in terms of kind of what happened with this organization? Cause you know, 2020, they yeah. still won, but a lot of it was pitching in 2020 and not right. necessarily the offense. What, you know, we, do we kind of overlook that as a factor in kind of where this thing started to kind of go off the rails a little bit? No, I, I tend to believe that ultimately it's the player that makes the coach look good. You know, I, I remember when, um, when the Royals were hitting well and they had Jermaine Dye and Mike Sweeney and Johnny Damon, and all of a sudden they were hitting coach Jeff Petlin was considered like this great hitting mind, you know, then the Royals started trading those guys away and the players that replaced them were worse and then Pantlin gets fired. 
you know, so I, <laughs> I don't know how, you know, how you, uh, you, you, I don't know how you wrap your, your brain around that concept that it's the hitting coach's fault. Totally. Um, but, well, uh, I know that while Rouseman was well liked and he was definitely missed and Varela is a different type of guy. So, uh, I don't know if that played into it or if Varela just had a hard time trying to connect with some guys, is this, uh, is the next hitting coach going to have to be able to become you know, Miguel Sano's best friend or Max Kepler's best friend? I don't know. Um, but like I said, I've seen him come and go. And a lot of times it's in the, it ends up being the player that thrives and the coach, you know, coach gets credit when they get things are going good and he gets blamed when things are going bad. It's really a, a thankless position. So uh, we'll see who the next guy is for the twin. It's kind of like third base coach. You get the Yankees. Uh, Phil Nevin's getting all sorts of grief from the other day. Was, Phil Nevin was a twin briefly, was he not? Yes, he was. Yes, he was. Briefly, he was. Um, I can't remember what year it was, but uh, he was with the Twins. And the fact that he's like coaching another major league team just baffles me because uh, Nevin's kind of a hard charging, wound up guy. And I never saw him as being a good fit for leading other young men. <laughs> but, <laughs> Uh, he, he, he's quite a character as a third base coach. So I'm not surprised that he's gotten a few people thrown out there. Well, well, we'll see. We'll see what the twins end up doing. We'll see if it has an impact on their offense. They probably could have hit 500 home runs this year and it wouldn't have mattered with their pitching, but maybe they can get more out of those guys before we get to our over-unders and our predictions for the season two. Wanted to say um, I, I, the, Polanco column he wrote spot on. I mentioned the same exact thing to Royce on Monday's podcast. I kind of feel like not forever, but why, you know, why not have him play shortstop? He can do it if he can, you know, maybe the whole idea of this guy, you know, you take a little bit off his plate and he hits better. I don't know if that's the case. Cause I think maybe it was more the ankle injury than anything else in 2020 that was knocking him off his game. Um, but just, I think you you give a little bit up on defense because he's not a great defensive player. And especially if you're playing right. more Arias at second base, but right. you're hitting, your hitting's better. And, you know, and it lets you go do other things with, with, with your money and your positions that, you know, especially in a year like 2022, where you don't quite know what direction you're headed. Yeah. Mike, I just think that any capital they spend, uh, whether it's cash, whether it's tradable assets in order to get better. Uh, I don't want, I don't want it wasted on, another middle infielder when you have in-house options that can be decent. I think Arias and, and, and um, Nick Gordon can, well, definitely Arias is an above average hitter. Um, his OPS is a little lacking this year, but I think he can get that stroke back. And I think Nick Gordon finally having a year where he stayed healthy and got his, uh, his feet under him. I think he could take off from there next year and be a super utility guy for the twins. So I think he can get by. With those two guys, you know, hunting around second and third in the outfield while Polanco plays short. So, therefore, save your money and your trade chips to get better pitching. You need at least maybe three, and you need a closer. So, whatever it takes to figure out, you know, that that route, um, use all your assets for for starting pitching and not on another middle infielder. Three starting pitchers and a closer, as Mike Zimmer would say. So other than that, it's been great. Yeah, they got a lot to uh, a lot to work on with uh, with the pitching, do they not? Yeah, they do. And it, it, well, Falvey claims he wants to compete next year. So if you're in compete, you know, step one, step two, step, you know, needs to needs to be addressed here, which is step one, starting pitching. Step two, another starting pitcher. Step three, <laughs> Byron Buxton. You know, yeah. so let's. 
you know, if, if you want to win next year, there are certain things you got to go about doing to make it, make it happen. Um, now, if he says that we're going to have to take a step back in 2022, we're going to trade Josh Donaldson and give third base to Jose Miranda. Fine. I think people will be on board in that, looking at some of the nearly ready talent that's, uh, that's around here. And it gives you a year to get these kids some experience on the mound and then maybe figure out a way to add pitching as you go along. Then you'll have Kent Maeda back for 2023. We're hoping, you know, so um, that's, that's what I think. He came out and said a, a week uh, last Thursday that said he wants to compete. So that tells me if you go to compete, then you got to do X, Y, and Z, one, two, and three, A, B, and C. <laughs> they have to say that now, by the way, they, they can always pivot their messaging in mid July when they're trading everybody away. And by the way, I think a Donaldson trade, they can still be competitive, even if they make a Donaldson trade, because that frees up more money for pitching too. All right, let's let's run through some of our predictions. Like I said, I think oh, you did better than I did. But we did five kind of counting stat predictions at the start of the year. I asked you, I went back and listened to the podcast we did. I think it was April 1st, April 2nd, April 1st. It might have been April Fool's Day. Um, so take that for what it's worth. Um, asked you who you thought was going to lead the Twins in home runs. You took Nelson Cruz. I took Josh Donaldson. Neither of those were terribly bad guesses. You, you kind of Cruz gets lost in a technicality, but he, he got 32 between the Twins and the Rays, but that still wouldn't have been quite enough. Jorge Polanco led the team and organization no, no. 33. Snow had 30, Donaldson 26. So, you know, it, it's your Cruz guess was a good one. He still, I thought he was going to have a, you know, a 20 to 30% decline. He maybe had a 10% decline this year, if that. I don't know. He really dropped off once he got to the Rays, though. Uh, his OPS was like under seven under eight hundred, I believe, yeah. with them after being nearly a thousand with the Twins. So uh, I don't know if he's you know moving in the middle of the season and he's just trying to you know keep up with you know the pace and the rhythm of changing to clubs, or is this the sign of the decline that uh, we've all been worried about? That said, a uh, Polanco great year, thirty three home runs. I don't think I don't think it would have been a terrible guess to guess Polanco, but that would have been a, a reach to probably guess Polanco at the start of the year. Pitcher wins. Look, look who else is on the roster. Look yeah. who is on that roster. How would you put Polanco in front of the exactly. Snow, yeah. Uh, yeah. Cruz, or Donaldson? And I'm, I agree. That Snow got the 30 homers, because I didn't yeah. think he would get the 20 you no. know, when he was riding a bench in the middle of the season. I didn't think he'd get the 10 if he didn't play. Um, yeah. Pitcher wins. We both took uh, Maida. That was derailed by injury. That would have been a hard one to see. Although I said, <laughs> when I, I went back and listened, I said, you could see Jay Hap being double digits as well. And you said, with Hap, is that wins or losses? You were onto that one. You said he looked bad in spring training. You were all over the Jay Hap experience this year, man. You nailed that one. I forgot I said that. Oh. Oh, these predictions come back to bite you, man. But you, you did, but that was good. You, you got him. You got. You I mean he was? He was not good. He was. How many, no. I don't know how many games he lost, but he lost. He lost his share this year. And un, unlike uh, Matt Shoemaker, half blamed himself when he got to the right. Control, said, this is on me. I needed to to have done better. You know, he's just he couldn't he couldn't explain how he could all of a sudden just blow up. Like he pitched two or three good innings, all of a sudden. Things would just unravel, and he had no reason why that that happened to him when he was with the Twins. But he went to the Cardinals, and like he's him and John Lester are like thriving. I just can't believe what's going on with the back end of that rotation with the Cardinals. Yeah, well, I mean, he's got a track record. I mean, it's it it's you know it it is what it is. He just didn't it didn't work out here. 
his numbers here, five and six with a 6.77 ERA. Um, that's not, yeah, that's, uh, that's not great. Although not as bad as our guy, Matt Shoemaker, three and eight with an 8.06. So Randy Dobnek, by the way, not much better. One and seven with a 7.64. They had a bunch of guys that just blew up this year and not in a good way. Griffin Jack, 6.37. Saves you took uh Colome as the leader. I took Rogers. You kind of you won you won with a late surge. Um <laughs> our guy Colome, I don't know if it would have happened if Rogers hadn't gotten hurt and if they hadn't traded Hansel Robles. Robles was actually second on the team in saves with 10. Rogers had nine, but Colome gets 17. So you are the winner on that one, too. Do you, feel, do you feel good about do you feel good about taking that win though? No, no, I don't. I don't. Um well, I just thought I just thought going into the season, just trying to read the tea leaves, that the Twins felt more comfortable with Rogers as a setup guy, and then occasional closer than him being the number one closer. So I just thought it was set up for Cole Colome to be um, to be the last man standing in the ninth inning. So, but um, he just got he was part of that grand slam brigade that uh, the Twins uh, dealt with early in the season when it seemed like whenever whenever a reliever came in, the bases were loaded. That team was going to hit a grand slam for sure. Um, but he got right during the second half of the season. I, I wonder if that's because he knew he was going to be the guy every day. That's a, that, that. That's another. It could be another reason to argue for just identifying one man as a closer and sticking with him instead of Rocco telling five guys to be ready to pitch in any situation. I, I think players are used to used to being slotted in certain situations and and they get in the routine and they get the you get the best out of the player that way. Yeah, that was the, that was the piece of Suhan's comment of the day that I agreed with the most. That it, 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 proven closer idea can be overblown sometimes, but defined roles, I think there's something to be said for that. Um, I know you got to run to something here in a minute. Last thing, stolen bases. You were right again. You got you you took Jorge Polanco. I took Byron Buxton. It was a it was not a fleet footed race. It was actually close though. Polanco at eleven. Max Kepler had 10. Nick Gordon had 10. And if he had had more of a season, he probably would have had more. Brian Buxton had nine. That is how that finished. I took Buxton. So Lavelle, you, uh, did I take, did I take, um, did I, did I not take Buxton because I was worried about him being healthy? I think you took, I think you didn't take Buxton because you were tired of him telling you that he was going to steal bases and then he never stole bases. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Cause I'm saying Lavelle, I'm going to steal bases. I'm going to steal bases. And you're like, Byron, you didn't steal a base all year last year or something like that or whatever yeah, it was. You didn't have that's one right. Thing. Cause he, he never hits singles and he, he doesn't walk a lot. So how can you be in a position to steal bases? Yeah. Wow. Actually a kind of an astute, uh, uh, forecast on my part. It was a student. Don't be surprised either. You you, you got of of the predictions. You did better than me in in pretty much every category, which we shouldn't be surprised by. You had twenty years or so on the beat, maybe more than that. Um, I was watching a little bit more from a distance. So good job there. Thanks for uh, hopping on, and uh, we'll see how your Bears fare. I'm I, I, I think Vikings can't lose to the Lions, can they? The, you just watch the Bears beat them. Are they? Are the Lions? The Lions aren't any good, right? Lions are terrible. I mean, they just—I think they just played the Packers, the Bears, and they're playing the Vikings right in a row. And um, I, I don't see how the Vikings not win this game on on Sunday. This would be a this would be a travesty if they pull this off. You know, it, then then you have to wonder about Zimmer's uh, mental health and his status as head coach if he can't beat Dan Campbell and the Lions at home. Bite those kneecaps, baby. All right, Lavelle. Appreciate it. We'll do this again soon. All right. All right. Take it easy. Good stuff, as always, from Lavelle. I want to stick with the twins for a little bit here, too. One thing Lavelle and I didn't talk about 
was uh, Phil Miller's staying or leaving chart. I think that's in the paper today. It's definitely on StarTribune.com. Um, it's kind of a look at the whole roster, kind of assessing everybody who you know everybody who played this season. And three things stood out to me. Actually, let's let's say four things stood out to me. One uh, was his assessment of Josh Donaldson, which I think was a good kind of blunt way to put it. Um, he said he he does an outlook on everybody. He says. Josh Donaldson is the canary in the coal mine. If the Twins are not trying to contend, they'll try to move him and give Jose Miranda his job. If they're serious about reloading, he's at third base and near the top of the lineup. I think it's a good way to look at it. I I disagree slightly. I feel like they can contend without Josh Donaldson and trading him might be their path to, you know, getting back some good getting back something good and freeing up some money for pitching. So I don't necessarily think trading Josh Donaldson would necessarily signal that they don't think they contend in 2022, but Phil's probably right in that if they are trading him, they're probably having more of a realistic eye on 2023 and not 2022. Another interesting one I thought was Jorge Polanco. Though trading him at his peak may be tempting, expect Polanco to hit in the heart of next year's lineup. I'm going to lump him in with uh, Mitch Garver, too, who could be a trade candidate according to... uh, According to Phil Miller, he says midseason surgery um, is never a good thing. Garver somehow returned. Um, 875 OPS makes him one of the top hitting catchers in the American League. Still relatively cheap. He's going to make about $3 million in arbitration. Um, he's an enticing trade chip. Don't be surprised if he's moved. Never really thought of Mitch Garver as a likely trade candidate, but that's an interesting one because teams could probably use a catcher. He's had. You know, the 2019 season, he was great. 2020 was kind of a lost year for him. He came back this year. He's hit again. Twins have Ryan Jeffers. He looks like they're maybe their catcher of the future. Do they need those guys splitting time? Could Mitch Garver be a trade ship? I hadn't really thought about him as someone who could be, you know, someone who could fetch some some pitching in return. But if that's a position of depth for the Twins, and they would need a backup catcher at that point if they're sold on Jeffers being their starter... That is an interesting uh, interesting possibility, I think. Another interesting thing was looking at the rotation for the Twins. You know, it's it's we, we kind of know all this, but when you lay out every single pitcher and you see basically that he's got, you know, Joe Ryan and Bailey Ober, who basically pitched half a season, not even that for Joe Ryan, as their only real candidates for the starting rotation, locks for next season, maybe Michael Pineda if he returns. They got a lot of work to do. Like we've talked about this on the show, but when you see all these names laid out next to each other, you realize just how much, how big of a deficit they have with pitching right now. It's just kind of embarrassing, but it kind of underscores where they are going into 2022. One more thing uh, I thought was interesting was uh, the status of Alex Kirilov. Twins still very high on him. Could be at the expense of Max Kepler, who could be a trade candidate as well. Although selling low, the Twins would be. 211 batting average for Max Kepler this past season. You know, it's OPS of 719. He's a above average defensive player, but maybe he could use a career reset as well. Just hasn't really taken off beyond that career season a couple of years ago. Let's talk Dodgers, Cardinals, and eventually Dodgers, Giants here for a minute too. I love the uh, the one game playoff for the wild card um, for a couple of different reasons. One. I love the drama of, of one game. I, I know people might not think it's fair to play 162 games and then have to play one game to see if you can keep going in the playoffs. But you know what? Win the division then. 
win the division. I don't care if your division is really hard. I don't care if your division is really easy. That's the those are the breaks. Like the two wild cards. If you got five playoff teams, this is the absolute best format for it because you, you get the two wild cards that have to play right away. The three division winners get to sit there and wait and uh, and play in the division series after that. So the drama is the first thing. The other thing, obviously, is it's a, a huge competitive advantage for. The, uh, the division winners, not just because they avoid that extra round and that elimination game where they could be done early, uh, but the other team has to, has to burn their best pitcher in the playoffs to it to get there. So I, I love that format. I love you know Rob Manfred for all of, all of his numerous faults, many of which have been laid out on, on this podcast multiple times. He, got, he and baseball got that one right. Um, my only worry is that they're probably going to add more teams in the offseason. Who knows what the playoff format will look like when they're all done with it. And then will the regular season even matter all that much? Or will it just be kind of like the NBA and NHL where you get in and then you have a ch- everybody has the same chance? So we'll see what they end up with the format right now. Right now, I didn't love five teams getting in, but the format they came up with, I think it is great. And I'm looking very much forward to Dodgers versus Giants. 107 wins against 106 wins. Um, unprecedented in baseball. This might be the best postseason series in baseball history. Uh, the fact that it's happening in a division series is bizarre, but that is the way it works, and uh, I'm very much looking forward to that. Let's finish with the cooler. A couple of you guys asked me some music questions the other day, and so instead of just talking sports, sports, and more sports, let's talk about music for a little bit. Um, Paul wants to know, how many of the whole study shows are you attending next month? I think it'll just be one, and you know, I know some people when there's like a long concert series when when a band is playing in more than one show they want to go to multiple shows they want to see the different sets they want to see the different nights I've never done that I've never gone to more than one more than one show of an of a of an extended run and that just you see a band once you, you feel the energy and maybe it'd be kind of fun to compare and you know see different see different songs see different things but once is enough for me. I, as much as I would, as much as I love the whole study, as much as I love other bands, I've never had the urge to want to go multiple nights to see a band. You know, and if you if you're different, that's that's fine. I, 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 I get why you would want to do that. I get why you'd want to go to multiple shows and see all of that you can see, especially now because I miss going to shows so much. We haven't, you know, it's it's you know with the with the pandemic, we haven't done that nearly as much. Haven't been able to see <clears throat> live music, which was such a big part of my life for a long time but I still would only want to see the one I think that's that's enough for me and uh and that that's that um the other question comes uh from rough cat what's the percent chance black eyed peas need you to jump in and sing my humps at jingle ball I don't know I'm ready um I've done that at karaoke um multiple times I do both uh, I do both sides of it I do I do the male and the female voices. It's fine. I, I I'm pretty good at it. And so if they need me to, <clears throat> I'm a known Black Eyed Peas apologist. I thought their halftime show, which many people didn't like, I really enjoyed it. Um, so if, if they need me, <clears throat> I'm just saying if they need me, I am ready. I'm happy to do that. And uh, and and that would be that would be just fine with me. But if they don't, then you know that's that's maybe their loss and everybody else's loss as well. That will do it for today. Thanks, everybody, for listening to uh, to the show today. I will be joined on Friday by Mark Craig for the usual NFL pick segment and Mike Hastings 
men's hockey coach at Minnesota State. Mankato, huge series between that team and St. Cloud State coming up this weekend, number one against number two in the country. So looking forward to chatting with Mike Hastings, the head coach. Thank you so much for joining me here today. We'll get you again tomorrow.